You know, I was just sitting there and just praying that how it would be if we really would seek after God. I wonder how much of our life would mean even less if we sought Him more. I don't normally cut praise and worship short, but I want to cut it short right now because I want to stay right here and where we're at. Because the word that I believe that we've got from the Lord this morning is right in line with this because she was just saying that the more I seek you, the more I find you. And the more I find you, the more I love you. And the first one is talking about how he loves us. And I wish there was ways that I could instill in you what God instills in me sometimes. I was just sitting here just saying, God, you have a house full of people that are tired. I wonder if we sought after him even in our weariness. If we wouldn't be strengthened again. I wonder if we could put away things in our life and the disappointments. I wonder if we could just pull him from the back of our thought to the front of our thought. There's something to that scripture of seeking him first. There's something to that scripture. I mean, we, we know the scripture, we quote the scripture, but do we live that scripture? I think if the church as a whole would live that scripture, you would not see a church forgotten. Wouldn't be without. Wouldn't be left at a point of need to where our need for Christ becomes greater than our want for Christ. Have you ever found yourself needing Christ more than you wanted him? Do you understand what I'm saying there? That it's the need of what we lack that drives us to him when it's our want of him just our love for him drives us to him. And our needs are met without saying. Man, God is calling today. He's calling today, and I believe it with all of my heart. He's calling today for a people that love and desire him for who he is, not what he gives. 
So, Father, this morning, I'm just asking that, God, you, you know more of this than I'll ever know. And God, whenever I'm in error, I just I rely on your grace. God, who am I <laughs> that you would think of me? After considering everything that you've done. Who am I? Holy Spirit, this morning I'm asking that you help me. That you help me to be able to articulate this morning the words that I feel so heavily pressed with this morning. And that we're able to, to bring this about or to bring this out in a way that is striking to our hearts. And that it would cause us, Father, to respond. So, Father, I'm asking this morning that you would begin to, to till our hearts and our minds. God, prepare the ground where we've lacked in preparing it this week. Holy Spirit, would you, would you consider expressing your grace yet again and till our ground so that the seed that's sown today would bear fruit, grow, and flourish. God, we're an imperfect people in an imperfect world desiring a perfect peace, and it's just a complicated mess. And we can't do it without you. So, Father, have your way in the service. Continue to love and impress upon your people the love that you have for them individually. God, there's those this morning that probably just need a hug. Not from man, but from you. So, Father, I thank you again for everything that you've done, everything you're doing, everything you have plans for. Encourage your people this morning. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Just uh, look at your neighbor and just tell them, set tight for a minute. Pastor won't be long this morning. If you'll just hold on for a couple of minutes, it'll all be over soon. I just try to desperately make sure that I finish a sermon the same day we start it. That's about the only promise I can give you. Um, and I guess I'm going to have to say that's dependent upon the Lord. If he decides to do it, then we'll do it. But, and you're going to have to excuse me this morning. I've got notes and I want to use them. I'm going to try to keep it to point if possible. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 11. I give Matt the whole chapter and then I said, I can't do that. We're just going to have to break it up. 
He said, all 54 verses? I said, we'll break them up somehow. I said, just follow the leader this morning. So we're going to, for now, we're going to do chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. And then I'll skip down a few verses and we'll pick back up. And then I'll skip again and then we'll pick back up. Starting at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and the sisters Martha. It was that Mary who appointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Have you ever, have you ever gone to Jesus and reminded him that you're the one that he loves. Have you ever done that? Y'all, y'all won't do that, will you? You scared to do that? Don't you know that he loves you individually? Will you look at your neighbor and just tell them this morning, Jesus died for me. See, you won't even tell each other. How are you gonna? How are you gonna tell people the gospel in this world if you can't look at a Christian saint? And tell them that Jesus died for you. How are you going to tell somebody that don't even know who you are that Jesus died for you? This is a personal thing. This is a relationship, Miss Pat, between you and the Father in heaven. Nobody else can contend. This This wasn't even supposed to go that way. Nobody can contend the relationship that you have with the Father in heaven. He he chose one day before creation and all eternity that he was going to die for you. You've got to, if you can't accept that or receive that in your heart, then you have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my friend, you're on the highway to hell very quickly because you cannot get into heaven with eternity and be with the Father for eternity without a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not part of the notes. It's free. It won't charge you. We've got to make, this is a personal deal. This is a personal deal. Have you you ever gotten tied up in in things in your life or maybe with your family or business or whatever and and it became personal? You're going to do it now by God because it just became personal. Don't tell me I can't. Some of us like say, don't tell me what to do. I won't, I won't tell on you. Mary and Martha's trying to get Jesus' attention. So they sent word. Hey, the one that you love, he's sick. Well, surely. Surely. Everything gets stopped. Hey, if you call me, 
and tell me that one of my kids need me? I'm gone. I ain't waiting till tomorrow. Not waiting till next week. I'm going. So if I'm going to do it, don't you know? When Jesus heard that, he was just like me. He was on his way. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. We talked about that on, on Wednesday, I think it was. I think we've been talking about that, about the glory of God. But hey, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, <laughs> makes no, absolutely no sense. So, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when Jesus heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Well, sounds like some of the friends I got. You got friends like that, you don't need no enemies. Brother, I really need your help. Can you? Yep. On my way, three days later, you show up. Or you call your nephew and say, uh, hey, give me a call. And he calls you back two days later. I was busy. I, that wasn't personal shot at my nephew. <laughs> then after this, he said to the disciples. Now, that, he said after this, after he stayed for two more days where he was. He said after this, then he said to the disciples, let's go back. To Judea. I mean, two days later? Really? You ever felt like Jesus waits on you for two days? Anybody ever got a delayed response? Let's go to verse 17. That's not part of my sermon. I'm just trying to give you little tidbits along the way. Verse 17. So, so when Jesus came, now this is after everything that happened to take place, and Jesus got there. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Boy, right on time. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. I, I don't need this kind of crowd comforting me. Let me, can, let, me, let me stop there just for a minute. This, this might be a good thing for you. You know, there, there are times in your life where you may be faced with a travesty and, and you just, you need some people around you to help you out. But this isn't the type of crowd that you want. These people are people, do you know, back in those days they would pay people to be in their funerals, their parades. They pay people to cry. Some of y'all could make a killing. They wasn't ready for that one, Lenore. They wasn't ready for that one. Some of y'all could make a killing. But they would pay people like this to, to cry and to mourn. 
Now, we're, we're four days into this deal, and these people are still hanging around. Can I tell you that there is a time to mourn, but there is also... Listen, mourn, please. Just go ahead and mourn. Get it done and over with, because your mourning's not going to do anything else now except cause your life to be at a lesser level than what God intends for you. Not trying to be mean or hateful. I'm trying to help somebody. There are things that we can be sad about for a moment. But can I tell you, and we go right back, these, these light and momentary afflictions are for a much weightier glory. If, if we would just get through what we've got to get through here and move on and keep our focus on God, boy, how much better would our life be? How much, how much happier could you be? I know that, don't get religious, happiness is, is an emotional driven state. I get that. But if you could be happy for a week without being upset, man, some of us probably wouldn't be sick because they said laughter is like medicine to the bones. So we, we're sitting here and we stay in this state because of the people that we invite. Let me give you some life lessons. When you're broke, don't hang around broke people. When you're sick, don't hang around sick people. When you're feeling down, don't hang around down people. This is going to be a hard Sunday. Don't it sound like it? You can hear crickets. I heard mouses run across carpets. You, you don't like being told things like this, but you want to increase. I know people that get agitated when they're told by someone that's at a place where they want to be. And they're told by that person how to get there. <laughs> I, want, I want a good marriage. Spend time with your spouse. Gets on my nerves. Well, it's not my problem. I'll tell you a little story. Being in construction as a superintendent, walking around, and I used to have to look after some houses and make sure they got built and schedule all the subs. And I would walk into houses sometimes and tell the subs they have to get something done. And they'd go, well, I can't get that. that, that. I'd go like, yeah, it's not my problem. And i walk out the house and go on to the next house. It's not my problem to do your job. So I tell you, not my problem. You, you, want a, you want a better marriage, but you're not willing to do anything different than what you've been doing for the past 20 years. I'm going to just sit here until y'all get with me. Come on. 
receive some things in your life, things that causes friction and that are abrasive are for your benefit. It sharpens you. See, oh man, I wish, don't, don't ever wish this. I wish I had their anointing. Don't ever wish that. <laughs> well, how do, I, how do I increase my anointing? Or how, how do I increase my gift? You use it. But I'm scared to talk to anybody. Why'd you snarl at me? I, see, you can't even, it, I don't care who I look at. If I look at them, they go. Because they don't want it. They don't. <clears throat> I, I, I want things, I, I want to I position myself in God more. I want to I do things with God more. How much time are you spending with God? This ain't in the notes. Can I get through this so I can get to the notes? He'd already been in the tomb four days. They had people with them to comfort them. Man, I want to hound that one for a minute. But There's a difference between consoling someone and enabling someone. I will console you. Not for long. Because then it becomes enabling. See, if you're, if you're in the wrong and you're in error according to God's word, I'll be the one to say that to you. At first, I'll say, hey, buddy, I get it. I've been there. I've done exactly what you're doing. I know how it feels to be there. I know how much I hate being where I am. I know how much I love being where I am. I, I, can, I can console you. But then we talk about, okay, there's ways out of this now. The first step is making a decision to get out of it. Charlie, how many, how many broke people have you come across in your life that want to be millionaires? A bunch. How many of them don't ever do anything to change it? A bunch. It's the same thing with Christian people. We want a closer walk with God. We want a deeper relationship with God. We want, we want, we want, but we don't want to do, do, do. I love you anyway. Whether you loving me or hating me right now, I'm loving you. See, I care about your soul. I care about, I care about your future and your eternity. I care about what's going to happen to you when you take your last breath. Or even if you're given an opportunity to take your last breath and Jesus just don't come and just sweep us away. However it happens, I'm concerned about that. And I want you to know that if you're in sin and you're living in sin, but you desire to be out of it, but you constantly hang around those that enable you in your sin, my friend, you're in error and you're going to go to hell in your sin. I can't keep going there. This was supposed to have been good. 
This is about a response. Then Martha said to her, Jesus was coming, and she went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. This is verse 21 now. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last days. Jesus said to her, no, no, listen. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Boy, people say, I wish I was born and lived. And No, you don't. Boy, Jesus stuck it right to you. He didn't compromise nothing. He stuck it on you, laid the truth at your feet. She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Let's go to verse 39. Almost done. We're almost getting ready to preach. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by, by this time there's a stench. For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the first place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing, standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had been dead, he who had died, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Now listen, I know you've heard this sermon a million times on Lazarus. I'm asking you that you get outside of what you have heard in the past and listen to what's being said right now. Don't you dare try to catch up with me and say, oh, I know where he's going with this because you're going to lose me and then you're going to be scratching your head when you leave. God does not want you to miss the opportunity to respond this morning. And if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss the opportunity. You with me? What could mean so much that we would have the opportunity of seeing this account in Scripture. Have you ever thought about that? Why, why would Jesus 
Or why would God allow such an account to be placed in Scripture for us to read about? To know that, that Jesus, one of Jesus' dear friends, has come face to face with the reality of death as you and I know it. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, doesn't God love Jesus? You would think, right? Why, why would he want Jesus to go such, such an account? And don't you know that Jesus loved Lazarus because it said that in Scripture? But why would Jesus allow Lazarus to die when Jesus knew the power that he held in his hand? See, I think about things like this. I want to understand more of why would God allow us to see things like this and to, and to, to be able to, to read into this and study these types of, of accounts and scriptures. Maybe this is one of those things and it's possible that, that God wanted us to see that his love for someone would never allow any, anything to come up in life that he could not go and fix. Or that maybe, maybe it was like this. Maybe God's love for us is so strong and so deep and so agape that nothing would ever interfere with you and him. Maybe that's one thing that could have been seen. Because I love the idea that God loves me so much that he's not going to allow me to be harmed. He's not going to, he's, he's not. Oh, is it going to hurt? Yeah, that's part of emotion. But it's not going to harm me. He allows me to go through some things in life but here again, some of the things that we go through in life is because of our own doing. It's not because God is allowing it to happen. It's because we chose it to happen. We don't want to live there, do we? We, we got to have somebody to blame. That's, it's the blame game in the USA. We have to blame somebody. But see, we serve a God that will always make a way. He'll always make a way. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how lost you may, may feel or it may seem in life. God always makes a way. Have you, ever, have you ever encountered God's way in your life? Have you ever encountered that to where is, there was no hope but God? Have you ever encountered one of those ways? Why is it so hard for us to live in that moment for the rest of our life? Why do, we, why do we choose to take what God's just done in our life, Charlie? Just He just done it. He may have just done it this morning. And by this evening, something will come up and arise in our life. And we forgot six hours ago. So now we get our heads and our minds and our hearts and our emotions wrapped around what's happening right now. Why do we do that? What is, what is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? But maybe God is just wanting us to be able to see that, that his love is always there. His love will always make a way when there is no way. He'll 
work everything out to the good? Has anybody ever had it worked out to the good? What the enemy may have placed in front of us and meant for bad, God grabbed it and spun it around and he brought it out and made it for good. See, he'll do that if we will allow him. But if we constantly stay in the state of mind, just like Jesus, I mean, Jesus could, see, y'all get Jesus tied to godliness and get Jesus tied to sovereignty, but you forget that not only was he God, he was man. The Bible actually explained him fully God, fully man. That means that he walked, felt, desired, and thought just like you and I. Y'all won't give him leadway on that. You keep making him walk in sovereignty. This is why you don't believe half of the stuff that you read in the Bible. Well, he was God. We can't walk on water. He was God. Peter wasn't God. Peter walked. Never mind. I'm not going to pick on you. I'm just... Maybe this was part of it. You know, maybe, maybe it was one of these things that... That, that God wanted us to be able to see that, that even, even in the bitterness of life, sometimes it could be the sweetness for others. Let me explain it to you just a little bit. Maybe even, even though Lazarus tasted the bitterness of death, his resurrection allowed others to taste the sweetness of God. Maybe some of the things that you walk through, maybe some of the things that you go through, depending on your response, here it comes, depending on the response, will begin to show you or others how you went through it. But if we go through it downtrodden, lip on the ground, y'all ever seen any of them Christians? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I've seen a whole church open this morning. Oh, this. Delayed reaction, but nonetheless, a reaction. Sometimes in life, okay, now the Bible's starting to come together for me. Count it all joy. We, we count it all joy because God's getting the glory out of our circumstance. That's what he done here. Jesus said this sickness isn't unto death. This sickness is unto the glory of God. Basically, he's saying he needs to go ahead and pass so that I can show up on the scene. And raise him from the dead so people see God in a different light. They'll see God in a different light and they'll understand that I am the one who sent me. Maybe. Maybe not. The difference between life and death is the response. This is, now this is where I want to start going. See, Lazarus heard Jesus. But Lazarus had a responsibility to respond to Jesus. Have you ever thought of it that way? 
Lazarus was dead. Well, how did, how did he? Well, he didn't hear. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He heard him. Could you imagine what would have taken place or how this, how this whole account would have taken a turn if Lazarus would have just laid there? I hear you. I hear you calling. Has anybody else been? <laughs> no, I ain't going to ask that way. I'm going to ask this way. How many of you right now are laying there? By the response, all of you. How many of us are laying there? Is that, is that Jesus calling? I know I keep hearing it. But we're lying there. Jesus is calling. Jesus is standing right outside your tomb. He's calling, but you won't respond. This is why you won't. I think I started writing some of this down, too. Lazarus responded. And he responded with no excuses. I wonder how many of us don't respond because of excuses. How many of you have got excuses? See, Jesus has been calling to you. He's standing outside your tomb this morning. And we're going to lie there because we have excuses. Come on, let's look at some of Lazarus' excuses. After all, it's been four days. Too far gone. Oh, Jesus, I hear you, but it's been too far gone. I can't get up now. I've been laying here a while. I'm starting to rot. How many of you have been in something in your life? Oh, it's too far gone now. I keep hearing it. Am I the only one hearing it? I know I don't have an angel going like it. But we're lying there. And we've made every excuse in the world that we could make. It's too far gone. I've done, I've done too much. Right? <laughs> well, God can't forgive me. I'll never make it. He can't. I'm, I'm rotten. My life has been disgusting in my own eyes, much less in the eyes of God. I'm too far out now. And he's constantly going, Lazarus. One thing I looked in that, he didn't have to call him twice. Boy, don't you know if we would respond on the first call. It's 
Sometimes it's costly. We're too tired. I mean, come on. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus had been fighting sickness, and now he's dead. He's tired. He's going, I don't want to go through that again. Now I'll just I'll just lay here and I'll wait for you to take me. I asked y'all this morning, y'all tired? Boy, y'all hating the pastor this morning. Hating the pastor this morning. This is pastor hate appreciation. This is why we won't, we won't respond to the call because we have excuses. And I'm not saying that the excuses that we have aren't sometimes legit reasons. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we will use that It's easier where I stand or where I lie. It's easier where I lie. It's going to be, if I answer this question now, remember, Lazarus is bound. Boy, if I wouldn't be scared of losing my britches, I'd take my belt off. And I'd come make you tie, I'd take yours too, and just tie your legs until you get up. That's why some of you aren't responding even today. It's because you're bound. You're bound by the reality of your death. That's what Lazarus has. I'm going to hear that about two more times. And I'm going to start walking. But it's, are you with me? Do you understand being, do you understand being, being wrapped up in, in the world, in, in things of this world? We all have been wrapped in something in our life. I don't know what it is. Only you know what it is. Some of you are sitting here this morning wrapped in the sin of the world and you refuse to answer the call because it's much more comfortable, it's a lot more easier to lie in the sin instead of stepping out. Lazarus, he was going through it. The reality of his death was upon him. He had come face to face with the last breath of his life. And he is lying in a tomb bound. Hands and feet. And Jesus said, Lazarus. And the Bible said he came out. Bound. You better stop waiting to be right. To do right. Because ain't none of you right. We are all wrong. I know you don't want to hear that this morning. I know you don't want to hear good preaching. You would rather hear the other stuff, not this church. I'm not the one if you're tuning in. Because we're lying in a tomb, in grave clothes. We're dying. We're dead. We have been dead. And Jesus said, you're not too far gone. It doesn't matter what you're bound in. He said, you shall know the truth. See, the reality gets trumped by truth daily. But the church doesn't participate. 
would much rather come to church and tell everybody about our woes instead of talking about our victories. Well, pastor, does this mean we're going to win every battle? Yes. You was waiting on me to say no, didn't you? If I'm victorious, I'm victorious. There wasn't nothing in there he said that you would fail at your addiction. He said you're victorious. Sin has no more authority over you. You better get away from this childish little words of the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You chose to do it. And guess what? When it's time, when it's time, he's going to go, you didn't do it, did you? Well, the devil made bye. See, I'm using it very lightly right there. Because I don't want to scare every one of you out right now. But I'm just telling you now. You're not going to be able to stand before God and explain your sin. Because the answer has already been given. There's not going to be one question asked in heaven that you can't answer. The answer has been given. Jesus Christ. Because that's, that's how he's going to get it. He stood at your tomb when you were bound, when you had everything in your life against you. You were horrible. You had a stench. Do you see the love of God here? If you can't take this account and wrap this thing up real nice and pretty with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and being given us the salvation that he surrendered on the cross, buddy, you, I don't know what you're reading, but I see God all over this saying, here's the deal. It doesn't matter what you tied in. It don't matter how long you've been dead. It don't matter how much you stink. I can deal with all of it. All you have to do is roll the stone away. Roll the stone, roll your heart away. Roll the stone away. I'll replace the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. Roll your stone away. Move your heart out the way. Stop trying to go, well, well, stop giving. It's time to respond. But we want to lie in our excuses. Man, Lazarus just showed you can't, you cannot give an excuse. The dude come out jumping and hopping. He came to meet Jesus. That's why, see, Jesus will meet you where you are. I'm all for that. But can I tell you that you have to come to him too? This is a, this is a covenant. This is between two people. You can get that if you want to or leave it alone, however you want to do it. 
It's the response. That's the difference between you dying and living. It's how you respond. You can't blame it on God. You can't say, well, I'm waiting on You better stop waiting. You better start doing There comes a time in your life that your desire or your, your response has to carry as much weight as your want. Here, I'll jump to Peter real quick, and then I'll come back and try to grab some notes. Peter said, bid me come. Jesus said, come. He stepped out of the boat. The others wanted to do it. I bet you. I, look, I, I bet you. They've been walking with the same Jesus, and they found this crazy dude that was willing to step out in there, and they went, look, dude, he's standing. I want to go. But their response didn't carry as much weight as their want. Oh, they wanted to. You can't live your whole life wanting and not doing. Faith without works is dead. So you, you can want all day long, brother. But if you're not willing to respond to the call, what's the call? I don't know. What, what's the call for you this morning? Look, God, I'm telling you, God didn't just put this on me uh, Tuesday. Just, I'm telling you now, you're here because you're not responding. And God is looking for a people. God is seeking for a church. He is wanting a person to respond to the call. I don't, what is your call? Is it an addiction? He wants to set you free. Maybe it's the call of salvation. He wants to set you free. Maybe it's a call to pornography or an adultery or fornication, whatever else you want to call it. Whatever you're bound in, whatever you're lying in, whatever you're dead to, God is standing in front of your tomb and He is called out. You have to respond. I thought it was going to go much better than this. What's your response? How, how many times does God have to call your name? How, how, much, how much worse does the smell have to be before it gets your attention? How much longer are you going to allow people to come and hover around you and keep allowing you to sit right where you are? All the mourners, all they're shedding tears for. Man, it makes you feel so good. You're sitting there in, in the midst of all their weeping and you feel so good and the whole time you're dead. What do we do? God done it in the sight of those who were present. See, you can't say, you, you can't say I can't respond because of other people. 
You can't say, well, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know how they're going to feel about it. It doesn't matter. God done it in front of a crowd of people that did not believe so that they too would be able to see the glory of God. Your bitterness is their sweetness. When will you respond? How disappointing can a church be in the eyes of God than what it is today? He's calling churches out to spread the gospel, to preach the good news, and we're finding bits and pieces to preach. We won't talk about the whole ordeal. We want to talk about the little ordeal, the thing that makes me prosperous, the thing that fills my pockets, the things that makes me feel good. It's all about me, 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 me. See, if you don't feel good when you leave church, I ain't going back. I don't care. There are so many churches out there. The Bible said there will come a day. They will not endure sound doctrine. And they will make teachers for their own itchy ears. Listen, you can go to hell sitting in church. You better respond. Dear God, I want to just... We are not being the church. And God is standing on the edge of glory and eternity and calling the churches and the churches have nothing but excuses. Here, I'll start picking. You ready? Well, I can't cancel the Easter egg hunt. If I do that, my attendance will go down. Makes my hair grow. What What are we doing? Well, Pastor, it's all fun. Yeah, my mom used to say, it's all fun and games till somebody gets hurt. But it's just the children. Okay, well, let's teach children sorcery and magic and manipulation and witchcraft. Boy, you're right on track, Pastor. And you don't think that sorcery's not inside the building? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? Manipulation of the word just to get you to cry so that you can come up and put some more money in the offering. They'll pass offering plates in some churches, not once, not twice, but three times. And put it right out here in front of your face so that everybody knows you're putting something in. You got to dig, brother. Dig deep. Let's go. They keep wanting it. This is the third trip around. I know you didn't bring it up, but put it in there anyway. I know you ain't got gas money to get nowhere, but put it in here anyway. Don't think, listen, I'm telling you right now, church. We've done nothing but play and mock the blood of Christ. 
He died to set you free so that you would be delivered, so that you would no longer be bound to sin, but you would be free in Christ, but you choose to be bound. You don't want to hear me tell you that you choose. I'm sorry, not apologizing. This was not supposed to go this way. Man, I thought this was such a good one. I said, God, they need an encouraging word. Boy, he's really giving it this morning. I promise I don't want this coming like this, but this is just the way it is. Each one of us have a responsibility to respond. Individually and corporately. Let me help you understand something. If you can't respond properly individually, the corporate response will be null and void. I can't have 10 of you wanting to go one way and 10 of you wanting to go another. A house divided Come on. Church, listen, I'm not, I'm not poking. I'm giving you scripture. I'm giving you word. But I've got to put it to you in a context that you understand. We've got to get it down to this point so that we understand it, so that there are no more excuses. If God is calling your name, my friend, you better get up, grave clothes and all, stench and all, dead and all, bound and all, and get to the front of the cave. But I don't know what I'm going to do. He told him. He said, now, loose him. Man, will you, will you make the response and put yourself around people that's willing to help you out of it and not put you back in it? Don't you dare let somebody come. Well, I thought you got saved on Sunday. And look at you out here wearing shorts to church. You're going to hell. Can't believe you smoking a cigarette after church. You're going to hell. What happened to loose them? You know the only thing I got against you if you smoke a cigarette? You know the only thing I got against you? Is that it's speeding your lifespan. I want you to live longer. And I can say it like that with all kinds of freedom because I smoked for 20 plus years with a sister screaming out the kitchen window, put a cigarette down! <laughs> and I go, <laughs> you know the only problem I got with you about drinking a beer or having alcoholic beverages? You want to know the only thing I got against it? If I tell them I ain't got nothing against it, I'm going to go to hell, aren't I? You better work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Listen, if you know that God don't want you putting your lips on alcohol, you better keep your lips off alcohol. But don't you, don't you dare look at somebody else and tell them they're going to hell because they're drinking because you ain't. Now, do I condone it? No, I'm not. Look, use common sense every once in a while. 
Y'all like to use that word, so use some of that. I'm not going to ask you to use spiritual wisdom. I'm going to say use some common sense. Because if I say spiritual wisdom, I lost you. Because none of you get far enough in the Bible to understand any of the words that they're talking about. It's not talking about don't be drinking. It said don't be addicted to it. That means don't let it become your God. Don't be turning your life over to that because you're stressed. I mean, I can use it this way too, Charlie. Don't be a glutton. Okay, watch it. Watch this, Charlie. Watch how many hands stay. That somebody already sitting on their hands. They, they just, <laughs> anybody ever stressed eat? See, I got some truthful people. I got some truthful people. Yeah, you stress eat. Guess what? That food has become your god. See, we don't, we don't, we don't like hearing. You have a responsibility to respond. And you have to choose. I can't choose it for you. You have to choose. See, there are things in your life that you made decisions on because you had a desire to accomplish certain things in life. And when you done it, you did it. Right? See, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to pick on you now. I don't have a desire to hit a puck around on ice. Dude, I can't stand up on skates. Guess what I'll never do? I'll never play hockey. But if you had the desire to play, had a desire to do, you're going to learn it. I'm sure you had some scuffs and bumps and bruises and some hiccups. I'll never have them because I'm not going there. I have, no, I have no desire. I have no, I have no will to respond to that call. Everybody in church, listen, God puts talents and giftings in churches that can run cities. But because most don't answer the call, I've got enough talent in here right now. I'm going to go ahead and hit you with it. we got enough talent in here to actually do daycares. We, we have enough talent in here to have basketball teams. We may not all play, but we've got people that can coach. We, we have talent in here for accounting. Bookkeeping, nursing. We could run cities. No. No. 
not us. And that's where you'll live the rest of your life. You, you've got to respond. No matter, no matter what it is, you have a responsibility to respond. Husbands, if your wife says, I love you, oh, Charlie, if you don't respond, you end up on four little wheels running around. Church, are you hearing me? I mean, there, there are things that demand responses. And for the most part, it's everything in life. How much more so spiritually? By Facebook and YouTube and everybody else. What are you supposed to respond to this morning? I mean, are you thinking about it right now? Because listen, there, there is a time to respond, and I'm telling you that God is standing outside your tomb. I don't know what he's calling you to. I don't know what he's calling you from, calling you out of. I, I don't know. Only you know. That's your business, not mine. Some of you sitting in here, there's a call to salvation on your life, and you refuse it. Oh, you, you think you're saved. You, you've been coming to church. You, you repeated a prayer after me. You've done it all, but you live like hell Monday through Saturday. You come to church Sunday, it makes you feel better because you was able to check your block off and go home. Now, look, I'm just going to be honest. You cannot... The life you now live is not your own. It is Christ who died for you that lives inside of you. It's not your life to please. Can I tell you that being a Christian, I was sitting up here praying during worship and I was actually crying. I said, God, I am tired. This is one long, lonely, dusty, full of pothole roads that I've ever went down in my life. It's not comfortable when you respond. It will challenge you. It will stretch you. It will burden you. If you truly, I'm telling you now, I'm, here, is, here is your boost for the day. If you accept Christ... Your whole life's upside down. There's days I don't get to do what I want. I don't get to say to you what I really want to say to you. Unlike some of y'all. You'll put it on the table, baby. You don't care. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And it don't make no never mind how you feel. 
Boy, that's the love of Christ all over you. Bless your heart. There's some of you in here that's tied to an addiction. I don't know what it is. You, tell, you talk to God about it. I don't know what your addiction is. See, there's hidden addictions that people will never know about you. And that's good for you. Keep in mind that his grace covers your addiction. But nothing done in the dark will stay there long. He's calling you to respond. Yeah. It might cost you to throw your computer outside. Men and women. I'm not talking just the men. Listen, pornography is just as bad on the female side as it is on the masculine side. Just do your own research. You don't have to believe me. Just do your own research. We wonder why divorce rates are 50. I still say it's 75 to 78%. I don't believe in the 50% mark. Because there's too many people out there trying marriages that don't work out. That's a marriage. And just because they don't have it on a piece of paper, they don't count it statistically. I wonder how many of those have gone bad. Oh, come on, let's think about it. I mean, your, your addiction could be what it, I, you know what it is. Look, I fight mine. <laughs> I fight mine every day, brother. Every day. Y'all know how to spell air? E-R-A, air. Every day. Every day. But we have to die to self daily. So don't judge me. Judge yourself because you're not doing it. Worry about my splinter. Probably can't see it because of your plank anyway. You have a response. There's a responsibility on you. And now that you've heard this word, there is a heavier responsibility now for you to respond. What is it for you today? No, don't get scared. I'm not turning the lights down, playing music, and calling you to the altar and calling out your sins. It's not where we're going. All I have to do is walk close to some of you. I'm done, but God's not. Guess what he won't do? He won't give up on you. He won't quit. Isn't that annoying sometimes? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Are you listening? Oh, she's listening. She's listening. She's worried about the call. And she don't want to respond. Because she takes the call because of the age. Y'all allow me a time for ministry. Because age sometimes can be a deficit 
we count the age as a deficit because we think that sometimes because we are the age, the Bible actually says not to weigh on you being young. Because see, there are others. King David was a teenager, an anointed king. But we allow our age to interfere. But here again, that's, that's a response to the call. Because we can't stay and you won't stay. You won't stay 13 the rest of your life. You won't stay 15 the rest of your life. You won't stay 20. You won't stay 45. You won't stay 60. Age is nothing but a number. And see, the longer we keep saying, well, I'm only 16. It can't be me. I'm only 16. But we allow things in our life. It's these excuses that Lazarus did not use that we hold so dear to our heart. Because we base everything off of where we are. Some of you are still bound in your past. You can't, you can't get past your past. God got by it. He's, he's done with it. You can't get by your past. That's why you refuse to respond to the call. Well, I'm not good enough. Well, I didn't get this and I didn't do that and I didn't. Neither did I. I still, to this day, I don't know if it was just so cold that my mind couldn't think when I answered Because I had excuses, brother. <laughs> I had reasons. You can blame everything in life on what you think. And what you have in the past, what you feel like you don't have now, or what, whatever. You make, you make the excuses and you can do that. But there's going to come a time... That God will be serious with you. There will come a time when God will be serious with you. And it will shake the very foundation you stand on. It wasn't the single. Yeah, that's a word for you. There will come a day. See, God, God will take you to places... That your foundations that have been built beneath you weren't designed for. Some of us are living on the same foundations that were built for that season. And God's trying to take you to this season. That means foundation over there is going to be shook. It was your response, dear God, it was your responsibility to respond here so that when that season came, the foundation was being built.
just like adding on to your house. You can't add, you can't add on to your house with the same foundation. You've got to make a new foundation. If God's going to grow you bigger or enlarge your territory, he's got to do a bigger footprint. You better stop rejecting the response. You're going to find yourself in a season you're not prepared for. 